Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Today's message is from a guest speaker. We pray this message speaks to you. Thank you very much. I want to thank Pastor Kurt for this opportunity. Also, I want to thank you because I uh, got a little notice on my email that I would be sharing this morning. And how many of you got that? And you showed up. <laughs> you still showed up. So I appreciate that. And uh, we're going to speak this morning from God's Word regarding hearing the voice of God. And uh, one of the great things that the Lord has helped me with in my life is hearing the voice of God within my heart. If, if you were to ask me to list the occasions and uh, the experiences that I've had in that regard... I could go on and on and on. One of the great and early uh, experiences for me was hearing the voice of God in a very clear way, deep within my heart. And it has helped me along the way over the past 40 years in serving the Lord. And I want to share some of that with you because uh, in over 40 years of ministry, I've noticed that sometimes Christians have trouble hearing from the Lord, and that sometimes uh, Christians, for whatever reason, believers for whatever reason, have difficulty discerning the voice of God. Uh, is this the Lord? Lord, is this your voice that I'm hearing, or uh, is this my own mind? Is this the devil trying to deceive me? How many of you know that the voice of God is real, and the devil is a master ventriloquist and impressionist? How many of you have ever, how many of you remember the old Impressionists? How many of you know what an Impressionist is? I remember uh, people like Rich Little and some of those guys. They used to be big in my, my day. They would imitate the voices of famous people. And they would mass, they would try to get that down to the point where you could hardly, if, you could clo if you'd close your eyes, you would hardly be able to tell the difference where, uh, as to whether or not it was really that person speaking or it was someone else trying to, you know, mimic their voice. So the devil is a master impressionist. And so this thing of hearing the voice of God is a very important aspect of our Christian experience, especially, especially if we want to be victorious over him and if we want to be in the center of of God's will. Uh, we often look for uh, people who, people often look forward to vacations. How many of you like vacations? Sure. And uh, how many of you have ever dreamed of a, a dream vacation spot? Maybe it's uh, Hawaii, although there's the volcano there right now, so that might not be. <laughs> but, uh, you know, for me, it would be, it would be, uh, 10,000 feet up in the Colorado Rocky Mountains. That would be my, my uh, perfect vacation spot. And uh, we often think about how special that would be to experience that and be there and how much we would enjoy that. But the safest place and the greatest place to be is in the center of our God's will. And so we, we seek that and we want to experience that and know that. After 40 years of ministry, 
I can tell you without any reservation that the most frequently asked question of me as a pastor or as a minister is, Pastor, how can I know the will of God? How do I know that this is the will of God? Well, actually, I have a very simple answer, and I believe it's a good one. If you hear God's voice, you will know His will. If you are not hearing God's voice, then you're going to have a difficult time discerning the will of God. Amen? All right, so let's focus in on that this morning. Uh, I want to begin by sharing a testimony. I said I I could share many experiences, but I want to begin by sharing a testimony that uh, happened to me as as, uh, preaching the word over 40-some years. uh, You know, you're always looking for illustrations that you can use in your sermons. And the best illustrations are illustrations from our own experience, things that the Lord has done to us and for us and things that we have experienced in walking with the Lord. And so uh, several years back, maybe about three or four years back, I was praying before the Lord and getting ready for Sunday morning's uh, worship service. And uh, I had noticed that in my, my preaching lately that I had been referring to experiences from my past from way back. And uh, I, I uh, was kind of a little disappointed in myself. I said, you know, Lord, I should be able to share something from my recent experience. And God was dealing, I believe that was his way of of showing me, hey, you need to refresh your spiritual life. So I began to seek the Lord about that. And uh, I just happened to be that I was uh, preaching, preparing to preach from God's word on this subject, on hearing the voice of God. So, I uh, was seeking the Lord in that respect, but also I was asking the Lord to give me something new, give me something fresh in an experiential way that I could share with his people. So uh, my wife and I, we, we uh, lived near York, Pennsylvania for the last 11 years of our ministry, and we ministered there. And so we used to go to the farmer's market. How many of you love the farmer's market? Well, in York, Pennsylvania, they have this, uh, this place called the Eastern Market. And it's where all of the Amish and the Mennonites come. And they, they set up shop there and they have all these shops, you know. And so we decided that we were going to go there. That I used to love to go there because they had these homemade donuts. <laughs> I never met a donut I didn't like. Okay. <laughs> so anyhow... Uh, we were there, and uh, I, we were walking up and down the aisles. They were crowded, you know, and it was narrow aisles, like maybe even a little narrower than this. And the people were crowded, and they were bumping into one another. And my wife and I were there, and I was looking, I was looking at uh, the meat case. They had these, this uh, the farmer, and they had a, a meat case with glass, and he had these big porterhouse steaks in there. And I was like a little kid up against the candy. I was like, I was like this. I was telling my boy, doesn't that look good? Wow. And we were talking back and forth. I said, do you think we should get a couple of those? He said, no, you don't want that. No good for you. 
Man, my mouth was just watering, you know? So we were talking back and forth. And there were people behind me, moving behind me. And I'm like this. She's next to me. And we were talking back and forth. And suddenly, I heard someone say, Pastor Jim. I'm looking around. I'm thinking, who was that? And he said it again, Pastor Jim. So I turned all the way around. And there was a fellow I'm looking through past heads. And there was a gentleman there that I knew. And he had been standing behind me while I was looking at the meat case. And he came over. We made our way through the crowd on the side of the aisle there, and he came over to us, and he told me. He said, I couldn't see you, but I heard your voice, and I knew it was you. When he said that, the Holy Spirit said to me, here's something you can use this Sunday morning. So while he was joking in my heart silently, I was thanking the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for a fresh experience. The voice of God. I noticed another thing, that as I get older, I don't hear quite as well as I did when I was younger. How many of you see a lot of older people wearing hearing aids? One of the things I notice that, that diminishes my hearing capability is background noise. They have these new hearing aids now that eliminate background noise. How many of the old folks out there say, that's great? <laughs> great. That is great. I've been waiting for that, okay? So, sometimes we're picking up too much background noise and we're not able to hear the voice of God. So let's talk about that. I want to share with you a spiritual discipline that I believe will help your spirit, your heart, to hear clearly the voice of God and to also discern and distinguish the voice of God from other voices. That are speaking. We live in an era where there are many voices, but we need to know the voice of God. So if you want to bring that first slide up, okay, uh, if you would, I want to lead your, uh, direct your attention to Psalm 46. Poof. Okay. Here it is. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. The word selah means pause and reflect in the Psalms whenever you see that. Be still and know that I am God. That word know there is, as Pastor Kurt shared last week and the week before. Thank you. There we go. We got it up in the back there too. All right. Uh, That word know is an experiential knowledge. It means that Uh, It's not just a mental assertion. It's not just gathering facts and data and storing them in your mind. But it's your spirit actually knowing the voice of God. Like it was on that day for me at the meat case. uh, For that man that was listening behind me. I didn't even know, but he heard my voice and he knew who I was. Be still and know that I am God. And so... 
The be still part is our responsibility. Speaking is God's responsibility. Okay? So it's not that God is not speaking. If you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is always speaking to your heart. He is always teaching. He's always guiding. He's always leading us into what God would have us to experience. So it's not a question of whether or not God is speaking. It's oftentimes, more often than not, okay, it's a question of whether or not we have not quieted ourselves before the Lord. We have not disciplined our spiritual life to the point where we are being still. Okay, and we can hear the voice of God. Be still and know that I am God. Keep that in your spirit in the coming weeks, and the Lord will bless it to your heart. The Lord's promise is to all believers. In John chapter 10, if you want to turn there in your Bible, or it's up there on the screen, okay, here, I want to share with you what Jesus says in regards to this. In John chapter 10, verse 25, Jesus answered them, he told, I told you, you do not believe the works that I do in my Father's name. These testify of me. What Jesus was doing was speaking to the people of whom he was, but they would not receive it. He said, you do not believe because you are not my sheep. Here's the, here's the verse that we want to join together with the previous verse today, okay, as we meditate this week on God's word. My sheep hear my voice. That is a declarative statement. It is something definitive. It is a statement from our God. He, in fact, will speak to us. And he is constantly doing that. He is constantly speaking to us to lead us, guide us along the way. My sheep hear my voice. How many of you agree with that? Say amen. All right, well, if we're the sheep of God and we're not hearing his voice, then that tells us right away something's wrong. I need to deal with this, all right? Because, you know, when sheep, when there's no shepherd, sheep get very nervous. They get very fearful. Sheep are uh, incredibly timid and fearful animals. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who used to raise sheep. Anybody here raise sheep? Right there, okay. And uh, she said, one day she came up to me and uh, she said, you know, sheep are the dumbest animals in the world. I said, what? I said, uh, I didn't feel too good because the Lord calls me one of his sheep. You know, I didn't feel, know how to feel about that. So uh, she said to me, she said, oh, she said, I'll prove it to you. She said, I can stand in the gate, okay, and the sheep are coming through the gate. She said, when the first sheep comes, if I hold a stick out, he'll jump over the stick. And if I pull that stick away, every other sheep after him will jump over the stick. There's no stick there. But every sheep will do the same thing. I said, wow, that is pretty crazy. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give to them eternal life. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. So we need to say to ourselves, Father in heaven, Jesus is my good shepherd. I am one of his sheep. So I believe that it is your will for me to hear your voice. And I'm going to hear your voice. 
I'm not going to let anything Satan tries to do, I'm not going to let any circumstance, set of circumstances that I may encounter, try to silence the voice of God to my spirit, to my heart. We need to declare that. We need to pray that. And we need to believe for that. Amen? Because we're just like sheep. If we don't hear from God, we're going to become fearful and confused in our spiritual experience. And that leads to defeat. The path to victory is hearing the voice of God and obeying the voice of God. The psalmist reaffirms this in Psalm 23, the first three verses, very familiar passage. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So what is he saying? He leads me beside quiet water. If you'll notice, I've been told by sheep herders, okay, that sheep do not like rapid water. And uh, I said, well, why is that? And he told me, he said, because sheep have wool coats. I said, of course they do. He says, ah, but he says, what happens if you're wearing a wool coat and you fall in the water? Have you ever tried to swim with a wool coat on? He says, it's like a lead weight. So that, they don't like rapid water. So he says, the sheep like the quiet water. They like the still water. He said, it calms their spirit. The Bible says here, David, the psalmist says, he leads me beside the what? The quiet water, the still water. So if you're having trouble discerning the voice of God, it could be perhaps that your life is too cluttered. It could be that there's too much clamor. Okay? And so what the Lord is saying, first of all, is saying, find a quiet place. Make a quiet place. We used to sing the old uh, uh, hymn, the old song, There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. A place where sin cannot molest near to the heart of God. How many of you remember that? Huh? Amen? Quiet before the Lord. Quiet before the Lord. Lord, help me to quiet my spirit before you. Because, Lord, that's one of the requirements of hearing your voice. And so that's going to take discipline. It's going to take maybe uh, getting, uh, rearranging your schedule so that you can spend that tired, quiet time before the Lord, so that you can set up that, that meeting with God where it's just you and Him, and you can sit quietly before the Lord. You don't necessarily have to be on your knees. You can be sitting. You can be lying down somewhere. But spend quiet time with God. And He says what will happen is it will be a refreshing. He'll restore your soul. And your spirit will hear the voice of God. There have been many occasions when I've just been sitting in a chair and, uh, uh, and, and just quietly sitting uh, by myself. And God has spoken to me in various ways. Sometimes it's a revelation of a passage of Scripture where he brings to my heart. And, and he places it there and it becomes food to my soul something that I can 
try to live out through the power of his Holy Spirit and, and experience and fulfill in the power of the Holy Spirit. We should be experiencing the power of God, the Word of God. Not just hearing doctrine or teaching. We should be experiencing the power of God and the Word of God. It should be alive in us. The Word of God is living, powerful. And as Christians... We should be experiencing what God is saying. That's the real knowledge of God. Can you say amen? amen? And see, when you experience what God says, when it becomes a part of your life, a part of your experience, when you internalize that, and God weaves that into the fabric of your nature and your character, when the Holy Spirit does that, nobody can take that from you. The devil cannot take that from you. Nobody will dissuade you. Nobody will turn you aside because that's a part of who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen? I remember when uh, I first got saved here in this church over 40 years ago. My wife uh, and my mother conned me into going to this Holy Roller Church. <laughs> and I, when I got here, I said, oh, oh, God, what am I into? We were from a Catholic, Roman Catholic background. And, of course, it was very strange. In the Catholic Church, you didn't say boo. And they were all shouting and clapping. I said, oh, man, get me out of here. And the ushers grabbed me and rushed me up right to the front. You know, and I thought, oh. oh. And I was sitting there and began to preach the word. And uh, Pastor Dennis Newsom, the youth pastor, the youth pastor, preached the word. And I got saved. I got saved. And I gave my heart to the Lord. Where's Brother Fred Burris? Is he here today? Brother Fred Burris led me to the, uh, to the Lord at the altar. Back there, there he is, Brother Fred. Okay. Yes, over 40-some years ago. And uh, I came, you know, at the altar. We got in the car and we we're going home and, and we're driving through Muse, Don O'Hare country. We're driving through Muse. And uh, my wife, she didn't say a word. She didn't say a word till we got to Muse. I don't know the significance of that, but, <laughs> but anyhow, she turned to me and she said, what happened? You want to talk about it? I thought for a moment, I thought for a moment, and I said, well, something like this. I said, I don't know exactly what happened. I'm not sure. I said, but I know one thing. She said, what's that? I said, I know that Jesus is alive. I said, and I know that with such certainty, no one will ever convince me otherwise. Never. They'll never change my mind. Because when I knelt there, I saw him in my spirit. Nobody knew what was going on but me, not even Fred. But when I knelt there and I was praying, I saw the Lord above me on the cross. In my spirit, I saw that. And he, and he was suffering there. And he looked down at me and he said, Father, forgive him, for he knows not what he's done. When he said that, it was like a great weight lifted off of my life. 
And I saw it was real. It was so real that no one will convince me Jesus is not alive. Jesus talks about the inner leading of the Holy Spirit. In John 14, These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I said to you. From that moment forward, God has been speaking in my spirit. I've experienced that on and on and on. That doesn't mean that I've always listened. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that there have been times when I've been confused. It doesn't mean that. But I can honestly say from that moment to this, I know that God has been leading my life, that he has been speaking to my heart, and that his inner voice is real. And that's what keeps you going. That's what makes it so exciting. I I hear people say, and I can't understand, I hear people say Christianity is boring. I hear people say, man, it's, you Christians are really dumb. Man, and when I hear that, I just shake my head. I said, if you only knew, if you only knew what I know, if you could hear God's voice speaking to you, calling to you by name, guiding you, leading you every day, you would not say that. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. I want to also say that this voice of God is the primary source of revelation from God. Okay? We have to, you can flip that to the next one if you want. Uh, We have to realize that we are not Old Testament believers. We are New Testament believers. And as Pastor Kurt has been sharing, The Holy Spirit now lives within us. We are the temple of God. And the Holy Spirit now lives within us. And one of his primary ministries to us as believers is this revelation, knowledge of Jesus Christ, speaking to our hearts and making Jesus real to us in our hearts. This is the primary source, listen, of God's leading in your life. It is the primary and fundamental way in which God leads a New Testament believer. You see, in the Old Testament, it was the high priest who would go in before the Lord, and, uh, or it would be a prophet who would come from somewhere, and he would speak. Okay? That's not to say there's no prophecy. Okay, There is. But uh, it was all external. It was out of, of ourselves. It was not the person. Here, it was some other source, some external source that God would use. Not so with us. That's not the way it is now. Now we have the great honor and the distinct privilege of hearing from God ourselves in our, hum- in our spiritual heart. As a matter of fact, God asks us not to look externally as a primary source of revelation. He asks us to let the Holy Spirit do what he is supposed to be doing. And he asks us to discern and develop an inner knowledge of of the working of God's Holy Spirit. We have a great privilege. It's a covenantal privilege 
In the Old Testament, the law was written on tablets of stone. In the New Testament, the Lord says, I will write my law upon their hearts and upon their minds, and they shall not say, know the Lord, for all will know me from the least to the greatest. All will know me. What's he talking about? talking about the inward revelation of the Holy Spirit. I've found that Christians who are experiencing the inward knowledge of God, the ministry of God's Spirit speaking to them in their lives, are strong and vibrant Christians. They go on when others fade, when others fail. They make it over the hump. We all face the same trials. We all face the same struggles, the same difficulties in life. And uh, as I... Uh, as I uh, have been in ministry and I've, I've watched, I, I watched, you know, how things happen. I'm kind of a cause and effect guy. How's come, I would ask the Lord, how's come this person faded and this one, uh, I wasn't sure whether they were going to make it at all. And look at them, Lord. They're blooming, they're blossoming, they're bearing fruit. And this person I thought was really, loved you really on, they faded out. And the Lord says to my, to my heart, he says, it's, it's really simple. He says, the person who keeps going is the person whose relationship with me is top priority in their life. It's number one. I'm number one in their life. They spend time with me, and when when trouble comes, they seek me. They they pray, and and I, I share, and I reveal myself in them. I make myself real to them. Because they seek me with all their heart. Ask, knock, seek. Right? And he says, they do that. And because they do that, he says, guess what? That's their strength. They have strength. Because they've received revelation. They've received knowledge from me. It's real. The other ones, many of them I found would trust in their own ability, their own talent, or their own intellect. Or they would lean on past experience. And because of that, they would fade. They would fade out. So I want to exhort you. I want to encourage you. Keep seeking the Lord. No matter what lies ahead, we don't know what lies ahead. Oftentimes, God doesn't tell us what lies ahead. But it doesn't matter. Because whatever lies ahead, the Lord is more than enough. The Lord is more than enough for whatever we might face. Can you say amen? It's not, you know, Lord, am I going to have enough bread to eat? Lord, am I going to have enough money to pay the bills? No, that's not it. If you have Jesus and he's alive and moving in your life, I, I can guarantee you by the authority of God's word, you will make it through. You will make, if you're hearing from God, you will make it through. And yet you may have other things going for you that you think you can rely on, like talent. And mental, you know, uh, maybe you're really sharp mentally. Maybe you have a great mind. And if you're relying on those things, I guarantee there will, there will uh, come a set of circumstances that will test you to the very core and you will fall because you're trusting in yourself and not in the Lord. They who trust in the Lord will not be ashamed. They will not be confounded. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not under your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. He will. He will. You can count on it. 
So we need to transition from Old Testament to New Testament. In the Old Testament, the high priest wore a breastplate. If you could get to that picture there. All right, the high priest wore a breastplate. He wore all these garments. And they were special. They were for service. They were ministry garments. And in order to get into the holy place where they could serve the Lord and, and prepare what God was doing through them and, and, and perform their duties. See, now we are, the new, we are the priests of God now, right? Every believer is a priest, Peter says. We're a royal, uh, a, a, we're a chosen people, a holy nation. We're a royal priesthood unto the Lord. And he would have this breastplate, and you can see it up here. Uh, there might, the next one might even be uh, a, uh, yeah, there, there you go. And in that, on the out, outside of that breastplate were 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. And so what that speaks of in, in typology, in, in spiritual uh, idioms, where God is revealing through natural things a spiritual truth, it's revealing that the people of God are, are close to his heart. And within that, behind that, there was a pouch. Now listen carefully. There was a pouch. And there was this thing that they called Urim and Thummim. Say that with me. Urim and Thummim. And what that means, is it's kind of mysterious. They're not quite sure how this worked. Okay, But Aaron was the first. He had the Urim and the Thummim. It means lights and perfections. And what would happen is, if there was a very difficult situation, have you ever faced a very difficult situation? What he would do, if they needed guidance, and they needed to hear from God, Aaron would be the one. He would go in before the Lord. He would put his hands into the breastplate. They thought that there were two stones, a white and a black stone. Okay, they're not quite sure, but that's what they think. And he would go in there, all right, and uh, he would stand before the Lord, seeking God's light and perfect knowledge and perfect revelation of his will. And he would stand there. And as he was standing there, he would select one of those stones. The white one would mean something. The black one would mean something. And he would select that. And that was God's revealing his will. Kind of a mysterious thing. They're not quite, still not quite sure how that worked. The point is this. It's dealing, God dealing with our hearts. It's God dealing with your heart. It's quieting your heart before the Lord to the point where if you wait long enough, if you spend enough time in God's presence, the Urim and the Thummim will come. The light will come. The direction will, will be given. The perfection will take place. You'll be in the perfect will of God. You'll hear from God. You'll know what He expects. You'll know what He desires from your life. You'll hear from Him in your heart. In your heart. You'll hear from him, and you'll be able to rise up and say, now I know. Now I know. And you'll have a calm assurance before the Lord. Can you say amen? amen. I need to keep track of my time here, so 
I can't see the clock. <laughs> All right. So, church, remember the Urim and the Thummim. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes when I get down to pray, it takes me like five or ten minutes to get through the maze of all the thoughts that are going through my brain. Anybody else like that? Oh, I'm waiting there for the traffic to clear out. Man, clear out my head. God, I want to hear from you. Amen? Anybody else like that? God, clear the traffic out of my head so I can hear from you. But if you'll wait there long enough, if you'll wait there long enough, what will happen is things will quiet down and you'll sense this, the, the holy of holies before God. You'll be there. We have access through a new and living way, the Bible says. Amen? Through Jesus our Lord. And you'll sense the, the presence of God in your heart. And just... Some people stop there. Don't stop there. They get up and say, oh, I've, I've felt God. No, don't stop there. Because remember the priest, he would just wait until God would give direction. Let the Urim and the Thummim work for you. Let God give you the light that you need. Let God do the perfect work. He who hath begun a good work in you will complete it. He will perfect it unto the day, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works so that we might walk therefore in them. Amen? We cannot walk unless we have heard. We cannot follow unless we have heard. We need to hear what God is saying to our spirit man. And if we wait long enough, sometimes, uh, you know, some, pe- some Christians think, well, boy, I must not be I must not be very spiritual because I get all this clamor. I get all this traffic in my brain. That's normal. And God knows that we struggle with that. So he asks us to wait. He asks us to be patient. Amen? Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I want to give you... A perfect illustration from the Old Testament, slide number nine, the first Kings. First Kings chapter 19, I want to abbreviate this story. But this is a story about the prophet Elijah. You, we're all pretty familiar with that. If not, you can read that in this passage of Scripture. But Elijah the prophet was uh, used mightily of the Lord, powerful prophet of God. And... Uh, He was the one who went up on Mount Carmel and confronted the prophets of Baal. And, uh, you know, you know the story. He calls down fire from heaven and God consumes the sacrifice and the prophets are slain, right? Huh? Used greatly of God. Well, guess what happens right after that? He gets very discouraged because uh, Jezebel and Ahab are after him. They want his neck. And he gets very discouraged. And guess what? He runs and he hides in a cave. He hides in a cave. And so he's there in the cave. And there was a great strong wind. We know that on the day of Pentecost, there was a mighty rushing wind. That's fine. Okay. And, but God was not in the wind. And uh, there was uh, an earthquake. How many of you have ever been through an earthquake? It can be a very 
<laughs> troubling experience when the ground starts shaking under you. My wife and I were in one. The one that hit Washington, D.C., we felt that in York. And we were sitting there, and uh, just a quick story. Uh, we were sitting there, and I was talking about buying a new truck. I'm a truck guy. And uh, I, my wife was away at the, at the store, and she had returned home, and uh, the truck was sitting out in our driveway. She didn't know it. The guy said, go ahead, take it home. I said, I'm not going to buy it unless my wife likes it. So from the dealer to my home, I'm praying, Lord, make my wife like this truck. <laughs> and, so, and so she came home and she sat down. She didn't know it was out there. She came home. I, I brought it around the back. Be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. So anyhow, I brought it around the back, okay? And she came in and she sat down and I told her that I had looked at this new truck. And uh, we're talking and we're sitting there in the living room. And I'm, I'm, she's saying, well, what do you think? I, she says, well, if that's what the Lord, if you think that's what the Lord wants, you know, we need to make sure it's the Lord. While we were sitting there, the house started shaking. <laughs> True story. The house started shaking, and the earthquake hit Washington, D.C., and uh, the pictures were falling, and the house is shaking. I'm saying, thank you, Lord, for that new truck. I said to her, God is saying, this is an earth-shaking deal, and you better grab it right now. <laughs> but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake for Elijah. But listen, listen. After the earthquake of fire, no. But the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, what? A still, small voice. See, sometimes emotion can cloud. It can be like background noise. You can't hear from God. Lord, I'm really going through it. They're hunting me down. They're trying to kill me because I'm just standing for you. And that was Elijah's experience. But he came to the point where he heard the still small voice of God. And I believe that 90% of the time, that's the way God wants to speak to us. In the still small voice. So remember that. 1 John 2.20, verse 27 you have an anointing from the Holy One, which you received from Him. As for you, the anointing which you've received from Him abides in you. You have no need for anyone to teach you. I'll get to that in a moment. But as His anointing teaches you about all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, abide in Him. That does not mean we do not need teachers. That's not what it's saying. It's simply emphasizing this foundational and elementary principle of the leading of God's Holy Spirit, which is He wants to speak in the still, small voice. There are prophets who will come. Despise not prophesying. Quench not the Spirit. Amen? Amen. One of the gifts of the Spirit is teachers. So we're not to despise teaching. But what the Holy Spirit is emphasizing here is your life experience. Experiencing God for yourself. In your heart. That's primary. That's foundational. Because when that happens, 
Nobody can take that from you. And you need nothing else. You, know, you need not anything else. No man. You don't need other people. God will speak. God will guide. God will direct. How many of us are beginning to see that and, under, and say, yes, Lord, I hear. I hear. Can you say that this morning, God? I understand what you're trying to say. This is fundamental. Our, our spirit is referred to as water and the Holy Spirit as living water. The last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, out of the script, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. What is that? That's the Spirit that we would receive after Jesus had ascended into heaven. This living water, the life of God within us, filling us up, experience the life of God, experiencing the life of Jesus within and allowing that life of Jesus to flow out of us to others. And it, it, it's like water. It's living water. It's life to people. It's life to people. And people need life. People need life. Two more things and then we'll finish. In the life of Jesus, there was an occasion where he was with a great crowd of people. In Luke chapter 8, there was a great crowd. Jesus was ministering and they were crowding in. Everybody was trying to touch him. Everybody was trying to grab a hold of him. And I want you to think about this, all right? Listen carefully. There was a woman there who had an issue of blood. And she, said, she had said within herself, Okay, if I can just touch his, his garment, if I can touch the hem of his garment. How many of you believe God knows what you're thinking right now? I do. I do. He knows what you're thinking right now. I was lying asleep in bed one night, and the neighbors were making noise. And I'm, saying, I'm praying, Lord, please make these guys go to sleep so I can get some sleep. And so they finally did. And I'm laying in bed. And I'm thinking to myself, if I had my key fob, I'd fix them. I'd hit my key fob. I'd put it on panic and let the horn just go nuts so, so that they couldn't sleep. What a terrible thought. <laughs> and, and no sooner, listen, this is true. No sooner did I think that in my head when the neighbor's key fob went off. And it was, it was like God saying, hey, cut it out. And I mean to tell you, it was startling. Okay? But anyhow, she was saying within herself, and she said, if I can just touch him, if I can just touch Jesus, and the crowd's crowding in on him, okay? And finally she makes it to Jesus. And he's walking, and she grabs a hold of him. She grabs a hold of him. If I could just use you for a minute, brother. Okay, if I could. Yeah, I'm going to walk by. No, just sit right there. I'm going to walk by. As I walk by, I want you to grab a hold of my coat. Okay? She's walking by, and here's, no, that's, here's what happened. Go ahead. As soon as she touched him, Jesus went, somebody touched me. Somebody touched me. And his disciples looked at him and said, you've got to be kidding. 
somebody touched you, of course somebody touched you. Jesus says, no, you're, you don't know what I'm saying. Jesus, he says, life has gone out of me. There's been a spiritual release. Power has been released. Somebody has been touched by God in this great crowd. And I felt that. You see, the life of Jesus illustrates that no matter how clamorous, no matter how crowded, no matter how much traffic, if we discipline our lives, if we bring our spirits to a point where we're quiet before God, no matter, regardless of what our circumstances, the spirit can flow to others. And we will know, we will know, the spirit has moved. God has moved. God has moved through my life. Amen? Amen. I have an illustration that I like to use. If you'd bring that picture up, if you would. It's right here. You see the picture behind me. Those of you who have been in my class uh, have seen me use this before. But I, I want to share it with all of you, okay? Oh, up uh, on, the, uh, on the left, okay, you have a picture of, of a stormy lake or sea. And it's very troubled. And Jesus says that our spirits are like water. Out of his belly shall flow a river of living water. Well, this over here is a clamorous, disturbed spirit. It's not quiet before God. Okay? Over on the right, how many, how many of you can see this mountain lake? It's almost like a mirror. It, and, right? Okay? Now, if you take a, a stone and you throw it in the water on the left, you're not even going to know. You're not going to see. It's not going to change anything, is it? Because it's already so clamorous, so tumultuous, so disturbed. You're not, you're not going to know. You, can't, you, you won't be able to say, well, someone just, something just touched the water. You won't even be able to know that. Because that, those waters are so much in turmoil that it won't register. It won't have any effect. But if you go to the mountain lake on the right, and just like on, it's illustrated on the bottom, how many of you can see that on the bottom where there's a little ripple? Someone has thrown a small pebble into the water. And, it's, and because those waters are so quiet and still, you can take the smallest pebble and if you throw that pebble into that water, you'll know something has touched the water. That's where God wants to bring us spiritually. The one on the left, that's, not, that's abnormal. That's not spiritual norm. The one on the right is our responsibility. God cannot quiet your spirit. That's your responsibility. He says, you be still and know. He doesn't say, I'm going to make you still. You ever try to get a kid who's full of energy and say, make him sit still? And they're... No, God says, you be still. You quiet yourself. And you know what happens? You know what happens when you quiet yourself? You, when you bring, I see this as when you bring your, your spirit to the point where it's perfectly calm before the Lord, then the still small voice... The touch of God. The gentle touch of God. 90% of the time, the touch of the Holy Spirit is gentle. We have a gentle shepherd. A good shepherd. 
who loves his sheep. Amen? And how many of you would want to be that person that as soon as God touches your spirit, yes, Lord, I hear, I see. Yes, Lord, I acknowledge that's you. That's you, God. And I'm going to pay attention. Your ears perk up, right? Amen? That makes sense? Quiet your spirit before God. Be still and know that I am God. Would you stand with me? Be still and know that I am God. It isn't easy. Okay? It's a spiritual discipline. It's something that we have to train ourselves to do. Especially around the holidays. When we're running to and fro and we're very busy. We have a lot of obligations. Sometimes our lives become too cluttered with things that really don't matter. And so God asks us to rearrange our life, rearrange our priorities. One final story. Recently, I was asked to go and pray for someone and they were in the hospital. They had had a scare, thought maybe a heart attack or something was wrong. And they were avid golfers. How many of you love the golf? They were avid golfers. But when I spoke to my wife before I left the house, uh, she, we were talking. She said, maybe you should go up now and pray with them. I said, okay. So while I'm driving up to Cannonsburg Hospital, on my way there, all right, I was praying, Lord, help me to know what to say that will touch this person's heart. So while, we were, while I was driving there, okay, the Lord gave me an illustration. He said, this will be appropriate. He said, this will be effective. So when I got there, I was praying for that person. Before I went to pray, I said, I said, do you know, I said, when you're golfing, he, says, he said, I'm not sure what happened. He said, I'm not sure what's going on. All right? A little bit fear, uh, fearful, a little bit confused. What, what just happened to me? And I said, well, you know, I said, it's, some, it's just like when you're golfing. I said, and you, you get up to address the ball. And I said, and you, you position your feet and your hands, and you're concentrating on the ball and you're getting ready, and you're just about to start your backswing, and somebody behind you coughs. I said, what do you do when that happens? Step back, calm yourself, right? And then you start over. I said, you reset, right? He said, that's right. I said, I think that's what God is trying to get you to do. He's trying to get you to step back in your life, so he can reset your life. And I said, oh, and I said, oh, by the way, I said, you don't have to do this on your own. He said, what do you mean? I said, I said, usually when the golfer steps back, the caddy comes over. The caddy comes over. And he says, Oh, it's okay, just calm down, buddy. Just concentrate on this next stroke. You're going to really hit the ball. Everything is going to be great. It's going to land right on the green. I said, he's encouraging, right? He's there to encourage you. I said, Jesus is your caddy. I said, Jesus is your caddy. I said, let him come and show you how to reset your life. See, that's what the Holy Spirit can do. I could have gone there and given him the Roman road to salvation and beat him over the head with the Bible. And it would have been totally ineffective. 
It would have been scriptural. It would have been God's word. But that's not life. That's not life. Life is when the Spirit speaks according to the word. Amen? That's life. And we want life in the Spirit. How many of you want life in the Spirit? Be still and know that I am God. I'm going to just invite you to come and experience what we've been sharing and reaffirm it in your life and recommit in your heart to be still before God and know that He is God. A greater revelation, a more sensitive spirit to the touch of God so that you can feel that touch and know that touch. All right? So let's just do that right now. Those of you that want to come, I want you to come and we're going to pray and and Brother Adam and and, uh, those who pray are going to come right now. And I want you to just, as you come, I want you to stand before the Lord and just in in your spirit envision that quiet moment where God touches your spirit. That quiet place where the Holy Spirit renews your life, where the Holy Spirit resets your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Just lift your heart to the Lord right now. Lift your heart to the Lord right now. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we quiet our heart before you right now. We quiet our heart, our spirit before you right now. If you're in the pew, maybe you want to join hands with the person next to you. Just do that if you'd like. Pray for that person. A more sensitive spirit before God. Reach out to one another and pray for one another right now. Father in heaven, Father in heaven, we want to thank you and praise you for the revelation of your word. We thank you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit has confirmed it to our hearts and to our life. We live in a very busy day, a very busy time. And... And Lord, your word talks about that. Sometimes we can become too busy. Lord, you you were in the house of Mary and Martha, and Martha was cumbered about with much serving. So busy, trying to please you, trying to care for you, trying to do things that would impress you. And yet Mary sat at your feet, and she waited and listened to your word. And Martha became disturbed. Because Mary wasn't helping. And Lord, you admonished her. And you reproved her. And you said, Mary has chosen the good thing. Which cannot be taken away. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, when we experience your word, no one can take it from us. When it, when it becomes real, no one can take it from us. That's what we want. We want life. We want reality. We want the Spirit moving in our lives. We want the living water flowing in our hearts. Oh, God, thank you for that quiet place. Thank you for that still, small voice, the voice of God, the voice of your Spirit, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org. 